Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. We need to have a cultural discipleship moment here. Cultural discipleship moment. So discipleship is about, we talked about it as a, being a, apprentices to Jesus. That's how I like to describe discipleship, okay? So we're going to have a little cultural, not really Jesus discipleship. This is a cultural discipleship moment here. When someone says there's going to be a taco truck, you got to get way more excited about it here. This is important, Okay. There's going to be a taco truck. Hey, and I don't remember, Pedro, if you mentioned this, but um, if there's someone you want to invite, you want to be able to give them more information, we have a stack of flyers uh, sitting on the, the welcome table in the lobby, the connectors table there. Feel free to grab two, three, four of those if you've got neighbors, friends, relatives, people that you're like, hey, you should come join us. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, Pedro mentioned a bunch of stuff that's going to be going on there. It's going to be a great time. So feel free to grab a few of those if you have people that you want to get in touch with or you know, there's a place in the community that you know, oh, they'd let me hang up a flyer here or something like that. Uh, but the personal invites are always the best. You know, uh, if it, the, 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 I think the thing they say is about I think it's 80% of new people uh, that, that come to church or want to follow Jesus, they all came because a friend invited them, not because there was some slick ad on social media or a sign out front. They all came because a friend invited them. So who are your friends in this room uh, where you're going, hey, I, I think they might, might need to experience the kind of hope that I've, I've been experiencing and, and the kind of joy I've been experiencing. Who could those people be? And this is a great non-threatening way to just invite them to rub shoulders with some great people and eat tacos, which is very important. Good, good. Well, it's good to see you all here this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm the campus pastor for uh, our, Ma our, our Mawa campus, our West Milford campus here. I've been running back and forth between both locations so much the last few weeks. I get confused some days what I do here. Um, but it's all right. It's the Christmas season, and it's really exciting, and uh, Christmas is upon us. Anyone else excited about Christmas? Yes. So you're starting to get it. You get excited. This is good. This is good. Um, uh, hey, Jersey, do you mind following along with me on my slides? I'm sorry. I forgot to grab the clicker. Uh, what, what is uh, some of your earliest, earliest Christmas memories that you can think of? I'm curious. Fruit in your stocking. Nice. Anyone have any other good early Christmas memories? Coal in yours. See, I thought that was just a, a myth. But you really got it. Oh, man. Oh, chocolate coal. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Any other early Christmas memories? Santa. Yeah. Peeking at the presents. Oh, man. My sisters and I were so good at peeking at presents. Oh, man. It was awesome. One year, we noticed that there was like, one box, and it had, like, raised writing like on it, so we pulled out like paper and we were like going like this over it and we were like, oh, we got some computer game or something that we, we wanted, I think it was, but it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Christmas uh, is one of the best times. We just put up our tree on Friday and um, my, my little three-year-old, you saw her dancing over here, uh, Harper, during worship. I love that. You all can dance during worship too, by the way. That's not something that's exclusive to, to three-year-olds. That's very much welcome. 
uh, and, and we put up our tree anyway on, on Friday, and she's like, can I help with the decorations? Can I help with the lights? And she's just so full of, of wonder and joy and everything. And it's just actually amazing watching the innocence of little kids in their first Christmas experiences, isn't it? There's just so much wonder about it. There's something about the way kids experience Christmas um, and, and I think that the way kids experience Christmas and the way they approach Christmas, believe it or not, is actually the way that you and I are called to approach our faith in Jesus. It's supposed to be something that is full of joy and wonder and curiosity. And sometimes the Christmas season's a little stressful, but, but there's always something in it that's just, it's just so full of expectation and wonder. And, and, um, so we're continuing this series that we, we started last week when Pastor Rob was here. Did you guys enjoy having Pastor Rob here with us? It was awesome. That was a really good, good message. Um, and, and we're going to continue this series that uh, he decided a great idea would be to call it Get Lit. So every one of the, everyone else that's preaching in the series has all been very clear to say this was Rob's idea. Um, no, but we think it's, it's great. Get lit. And what we mean when we say get lit, not what the kids mean these days, we're saying we want you to get lit. We want you to reignite your faith this Christmas season. And, and just like kids approach Christmas with joy and abandon and that like they're just naturally consumed by it, that's actually the way that we are called to approach our faith, just like little children. You know, Jesus made children our example of faith in his kingdom. Did you know that? In Mark chapter 10, I'll read you a few verses here. He says, uh, so that he was teaching and, and everything, and it says they were bringing him young children. The parents were bringing Jesus young children so he could touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. Some other translations say that they scoffed at the parents. Like, Get out of here. Jesus doesn't want those kids around. But when Jesus saw it, it says he was indignant. That Greek word actually uh, translated a little differently. He was offended. He was extremely offended by what his own disciples did. And so he said to them, let the, the young children come to me. Do not forbid them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a young child will never enter into it. And after taking them in his arms, he blessed them, placing his hands on them. Think about that line. Truly I say to you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a young child will never enter into it. Think about a child at Christmas. That is the call of Jesus, to enter into faith like that, childlike faith. Becoming like a young child is the only way to welcome the kingdom of God. In fact, that word I mentioned, indignant, that, that, uh, that Jesus was deeply offended, that is the only time in any of the gospels that records Jesus as being offended by something someone did. Not by people's sin, not by the Pharisees being super religious and hypocritical, by his own disciples turning away little children. And he said, they, we need to flip this. Jesus flips the whole cultural paradigm on it says that children are to be seen and not heard and says they are actually your model for how to live life of faith. And I don't think it's changed too much, has it? They are our model to live a life of faith. But here's the problem. How often do you approach your faith like a little child? 
No, we're way too calculated and cynical and skeptical and, and we doubt and we overplan and we don't like to trust anyone but ourselves and, and we live at such a pace that's just so much faster than children are actually able to handle and live at. And I don't think we're able to handle and live at that pace either. But what Jesus is inviting us into this Christmas season is to receive his kingdom just like a little child just like they receive Christmas. What do you think about that? So I want to talk to you about six characteristics of childlike faith. How do we see childlike faith work out? What is it? What does that mean to have faith like a child, to receive God's kingdom like a child? I want to tell you about six of these characteristics from the story of two crazy kids, maybe you've heard of them, Mary and Joseph. And how you and I can live that way too. Mary, actually, Joseph probably wasn't that young, but Mary was probably 14 or 15. That was the normal age to get married at that time. And, and, and so she, when we say she had childlike faith, she literally was a child that was walking in faith. But Joseph also was, was uh, someone walking with childlike faith. And so I want to talk about six of these uh, with you this morning. But first, before we go any further, let's just pause and take a minute to pray together before we open up the word. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are, are working among us, that you're here with us. We thank you so much that you, you don't uh, ignore us or leave us abandoned, even in a season that there's so many emotions swirling around, Lord, and, and, and it's often very easy to uh, feel like we're getting lost in the shuffle and caught in memories of, of bad past holidays. But Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're faithful and that In Jesus' name, amen. Childlike faith. It involves uh, six things. There's, there's probably more, but I want to talk about six of them today. First, childlike faith involves being comfortable with the uncomfortable. How many of you are feeling great straight off the bat? Childlike faith involves being comfortable with the uncomfortable. So we're going to jump back and forth a little bit between the first chapter of Luke and the first chapter of Matthew and just look at some things in, in Mary's story and in Joseph's story. So let's look first at a couple verses in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 29. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So as I said, childlike faith involves being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Here's Mary, this young woman. She's engaged. She's about to be married. Uh, engagement in this culture is a pretty serious business. It, it's, it's, it's legally binding like marriage is now uh, to be engaged. So if you got engaged, it was, it was very, very serious. It, this was happening. And, and here she gets the news of uh, a lifetime. And she says... Uh, and it's not even the big news yet, but he simply says, 
Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary is, is a good Jewish girl. She grew up in the synagogue. She would know stories from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Bible, stories of, of angels or messengers from God or God himself self showing up to people saying, hi, you're highly favored. Greetings, you highly favored person. Or someone saying, the Lord is with you. And, and these are pe- things that happened in these other stories that other, happened to other people. This doesn't happen to me. And here it is happening to Mary. And she's, it says that she's confused and disturbed. Confused and disturbed. And Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Here's the first key, as I've said, about uh, childlike faith. Childlike faith isn't afraid of being confused and disturbed. Childlike faith isn't afraid of being uncomfortable. Now, a lot of us, we're saying we're going to follow Jesus and, and a lot of us, if we're honest, we have this vision of rainbows and butterflies and there's not a care in the world. Everything's been explained for me. I know I fall into this trap sometimes and thinking, and then when something uncomfortable happens in my life or awkward things happen or painful things happen or suffering happens or, or God shows up in a way that I wasn't planning on or it's not the answer I wanted and I'm confused and, and, and I'm uh, overcome by what's happening and I'm even disturbed by what God is doing childlike faith doesn't run away in that moment but how many of us we go i'm out i'll see you later let's let's talk next week jesus when you have something that's a little more comfortable for me to handle how many of us have have had tough discipleship conversations where someone said you've got to deal with this or 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 someone's come to your god's pointed something out hey i want to invite you into this new way of living you you've, you're seeing it you know there's something in your heart that's longing for it but you just feel like there's this barrier or this gap and it feels uncomfortable to to obey or to lean in in that moment right you know what i'm talking about a couple of you okay all right i'm i'm like I know I'm not the only one. And, and, and we're so used to seeing anything that's remotely uncomfortable or different or confusing. And we go, I'm going to come back to that later. And we walk away. God, do you have something for me over here? But childlike faith is comfortable with being uncomfortable. Comfortable with being uncomfortable. It knows, childlike faith knows that the answers will come. I don't need them right now, though. I will be able to look back and see clearly what God has been up to, but right now I know I don't need to have the answers. There's a a comfort in accepting the uncomfortable. Sounds like a a weird uh, paradox, right? There's a comfort in accepting the uncomfortable. Just saying, yeah, I feel really uncomfortable right now. I feel really confused right now. I'm a little bit disturbed by what God's doing, if I'm completely honest. But somehow, there's a peace in the midst of all of that discomfort. That's childlike faith. Second, childlike faith requires curiosity and questions of wonder. Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 34. Let's keep reading. It says, The angel said to Mary, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, very important question, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Mary uh, was aware of how babies are made. This isn't rocket science here. How is this supposed to work? Yeah, I, I get what you said, Gabriel. Uh, my child's going to be called the son of the most high. His kingdom's never going to end. That sounds really great. Can we back up to the part where you said I'm going to conceive? What's going on with that? How's that happening? Now, we could get into all sorts of things about how people say, well, Mary wasn't really a virgin, and they just kind of whitewashed her record to make it look good, and all these different things. We're not, we can't, don't have time to get into any of those conversations today. But, uh, but, but here's the real point is, is just taking it at face value. Here's this woman who, who is a virgin, and suddenly she's going to conceive. And this is a pretty uh, big uh, leap, fair, right? And she asks a question. How is this going to happen? Now, I want you to compare this to, if you remember our, the story last week about another baby that was going to be born. It was Zechariah in the temple. And he, his, the angel was saying, your wife, I know you guys are old, but your wife is going to have a son and you're going to name him John. Now, Zechariah's questioning was very different than Mary's questioning. See, Zechariah questioned like a skeptic and a cynic and a doubter. Like, and he was trying to explain to God, here's all the reasons why this can't happen. And we need to hear something very different in Mary's tone. This is the question of childlike faith that is asking out of wonder and out of awe and out of curiosity. Did you know you were allowed to be curious about what God's up to? God, I wonder why you're doing that. What's this all about? What, what, what in the world are you doing? What do you, what do you mean you want to do this? Or there's these people that you've given me a heart for in our community. What do you, what do you mean? Why them? That doesn't, that doesn't connect to anything. How are you going to connect these dots? And there's a, there's a questioning that's just very like, you can't do this, God. And then there's a questioning like Mary that says, oh, this is going to be good. This is how, how do you plan on, please, like awe me and because your, your ways are so much greater than our ways. Hear me, you can't be afraid to ask questions about what God's up to. Questions are always welcome. Questions even that are wrestling questions. How does this work with my faith? I don't understand how I'm, I'm wrestling with this. You can't be afraid to ask questions. Now, when questions are asked, in, like I said, in that Zechariah spirit, that spirit of just being a naysayer and a doubter, that's just going to get you nowhere. But when they're asked in, in the spirit of childlike faith, like Mary, full of awe and wonder and curiosity, you're going, I, I don't get this, but tell me more. How are we going to figure this out? And you know what happens when you begin to do that? I really believe that when God puts something crazy on your life and invites you into something and you begin to lean in with curiosity, this is actually exactly what God wants. He wants you to be curious. He wants you to be leaning in closer to him so that you're learning more about his heart, 
You're learning more about his ways. You're learning more about how he sees things, how his kingdom works as opposed to what we're used to in our kingdom. And, and when, when we begin to do that, we become like him and we think like him and we act like him. And then it just becomes second nature to like, oh, of course it's gonna work this way because that's how God works. So God's actually training us in these moments to be curious, to ask questions, to seek him with all our heart. Not to say, oh, okay, that sounds good. Thanks, just let me know when it happens. Because when we begin to do that and we just kind of take, yeah, okay, sounds good. You're gonna do that in my life. Cool, I'll wait. There's no awe and wonder anymore. We, we've actually lost childlike faith and, and, and it's just become a, a dull, routine kind of a faith. We've lost our expectancy. We, we lose that seeking heart to know, well, why? What's, where's this coming from? What are you gonna do, God? Anyone ever feel like their faith just gets really stale? Yeah. Does it ever get stale and, and you just kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we believe that Jesus was born from a virgin and it's cool, whatever. And we just, you just like stop and think about that for a second. That's bonkers, right? That's, we, we, if you say you follow Jesus, you actually believe this. Now everyone's going to get uncomfortable. We can get uncomfortable. We'll go back to the first point. Everyone's getting uncomfortable. But, but seriously, we, we kind of just kind of gloss over these huge things. And, and, and not even just theologically. We gloss over huge things that God's up to in our lives. You read the scriptures and, and you begin to see uh, what uh, God says he's going to do in your life. We just did that series in Colossians in the fall, right? We talked about how you are a new creation. And we talked about how your new identity, your old self died when Jesus died. And you're being raised to new life with him. Did you stop to think about that? Did it lead to on wonder where you're like, cool, a new creation. Thanks, I'm going to go about my day now. i got to go grocery shopping real quick. What did it do to you? Did it stir awe and wonder? Or, or was it just, uh, yep, check. So what do you, if, you're, if you're feeling like you you've need to get fresh in your faith or you've lost that wonder, just a couple suggestions. Um, hearing testimonies of what God has done in other people's lives will stir up your faith like nothing else. It's unreal. Uh, when you hear stories, especially when it's someone you know or you've met personally, you can go find great testimonies on YouTube and online and stuff, and they're great, and many of them are true. Uh, I'm not one that falls like, yeah, I probably faked that or whatever. Uh, many of them are true, but there's something about when you know a person and God's done something crazy in their life or you've walked with them and you saw the crazy stuff happen in their life, whether it's uh, healing from emotional pain or, or physical sickness getting healed or someone getting set free or, or just someone's testimony of coming to faith in Jesus or someone having crazy financial provision that, that they don't know how it came about. It was totally just something God did. All of these things are stories that we need to be sharing with each other to help uh, stir up our faith. Anyone feel like they need to hear some good testimonies to get their faith stirred up? Yeah? Yeah. Another thing you can do is read scripture. Read the gospels. Really slow down and read the gospels and see again the things that Jesus did and said. We were just talking in our life group on, on Wednesday night um, about this little passage where Jesus goes to his hometown and, 
everyone really is kind of doubting who he is and who he says he is. And it says in the, in the passage, there's not a lot of faith in the town. And so it says Jesus couldn't do any miracles. He just healed a few people. Again, we're thinking, that's a good day if we could pray for a few people and see. I'd like to see one person get healed. But he's like, yeah, he couldn't really, it was a bad day. He couldn't do any miracles. Like he just healed a few sick people. Like that's a bad day for Jesus. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like if you slow down and read like just how amazing Jesus is and, and what his power was, is like and, and, and how he healed people and then how he said, now you go heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons. That's crazy talk. But it's in there. So read the Gospels and see how your faith gets stirred up from that. And then another thing, and see, this is the one that really will get you if those other two didn't. You gotta put yourself in risky positions where the only way an answer is gonna happen is if God shows up and does something. Many, many preachers have said it. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Now, not foolishness, but it is spelled with risk. A lot of times, I know we've all done it. We've like, God, I'm putting you first. I'm gonna trust you in this. And we're like, and here's my backup plan. When God doesn't come through, I'm gonna move this money to this bank account. And then I'm gonna take care of this over there. So it's like, no, 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 God said he's gonna come through. I'm just gonna trust him. Or I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go into this. I gotta see this family issue taken care of or pray for this person. And I'm like, oh, but maybe I'll just like pray a little bit different. I'm just like, God, like if you want this person healed, like just maybe, like, please. And we like, we don't pray prayers of faith. And we kind of back off and we don't take that risk. But when we put ourselves in positions where the only answer is God, childlike faith just gets ignited because he loves to show up. He loves to show up when you put yourself in an impossible situation that only he can answer. Because that's when we begin to walk in real trust. Because it's not about, you know, like, okay, I'll try the God thing first, but I have my backup plan. I'm gonna cover you, God, don't worry. I'm gonna come to your rescue. Don't do that. Put yourself in the risky position that it's gonna stir your faith. The childlike faith requires curiosity and questions and wonder. Next, uh, childlike faith prayerfully weighs what God is doing. Look at this one really briefly. We'll shift over to um, Joseph's story in Matthew chapter 1, 19 to 21. Joseph, to whom Mary was engaged, he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, we'll come back to that word in a minute, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, th that word I mentioned there, uh, as Joseph considered this, this is really important. Joseph's in this tricky situation. He's got his, his fiance just, just said to him, no, really, this is God. I haven't been with anyone else. And he's going, oh, Mary, you're going crazy. Like, what's, what's going on? He's like, I trust this woman. I, I got it. This is not okay. I, what, what do I do here? And it says, as he considered this, as he considered what to do, that word considered, it, it implies that, that he spent agonizing time in prayer weighing what he was going to do. God, what do you want me to do here? What am I supposed to do? 
And, and prayer and faith situations, childlike faith still requires, while it requires risk and putting yourself out there, it does still require that we prayerfully weigh what God is doing. Now, a lot of us wanna go prayerfully delay what God is doing because we're like, ooh, that's crazy. I'm just gonna pretend that God didn't say anything and keep going. But what we're called to do is like Joseph, prayerfully weigh what God is doing. God, you've gotta be in this. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you to answer. And then he gets the answer in the form of a dream. He has clear direction on what to do. We're not supposed to be foolish. Uh, we're, We're not supposed to, just be mindless vessels that God says, go do this and we don't think about it and we just go. God's actually looking for you to be a partner with him, counting the cost and what it's going to mean to you to, to do and act on what he's calling you to do. Did you know that? He's, he's not saying, oh, okay. He, it actually, you're called to count the cost. What is this gonna cost me? What might I have to give up? God, what does this mean for me? What's gonna have to change in my life? He wants you to prayerfully consider all of these things. And that's part of childlike faith. He doesn't want you to be mindless. He, he wants you to be an active participant in what he's calling you into. Amen? Next. Childlike faith remembers that what God says will never fail. Go back to Mary's story, Luke chapter 1. Verse 35, it says, the angel replied, this is the explanation now, how can this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh, is that all? So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. So that's news to Mary, that's huge news. People used to say she was barren but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. I want you to hear this again. Hear what the angel said. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son now in her sixth month. Why? Because the word of God will never fail. People used to say you were an addict. But now they've been sober for however many days because the word of God will never fail. People used to say I was racked with anxiety and fear. But now I'm full of peace and love because the word of God will never fail. People used to say that you were greedy or stingy. And now the most generous person people know because the word of God will never fail. We could go on and on. What did people say about you? What do people say about you? What have people said about you? What has God said about you to change the narrative? What does God want to see done in your life that just seems like, man, everyone knows this is who I am and what I'm all about. I don't know how it's possible that God's word can ever come through with this. The kind of confidence we need to have with how God's word comes through is the same confidence we have sitting on a chair. Um, Chris, I'm totally gonna put you on the spot. Can I borrow you? Can I borrow you? And can you bring up this chair real quick? 
bring this chair up real quick. Just put it right here. Okay, just stand next to the chair for me if you can. All right, I need a big drum roll, please, everyone. All right, keep going, keep going, keep going. Big drum roll. Chris, sit in the chair. Hey, he did it. He did it. That's amazing. How did you know that was going to work out okay? Well, how did you know the chair wasn't going to collapse when you sat on it? Why'd you sit in it then? Okay. Yeah, but what if the chair like wasn't made well? Or what if a lot of people have sat on it and it's got a lot of wear and tear and it was just going to collapse? You would have fallen on your butt in front of everyone. That's probably true. Give Chris a hand. Thanks, man. You put that back for me? Thank you. The kind of confidence that you're supposed to have in God's word not failing is the same confidence Chris had sitting in that chair. He didn't even think about it. He just sat in it. How often do you not even think about what God said? You just go, okay. Be like generous with yourself, like maybe once or twice, right? But it seems like the majority of the time we're going, yeah, but how do I know about this? And what about this? And I'm not good enough at this. And like, but there's too many of this. I used to, you used to be known as. But the word of God will never fail. Childlike faith remembers that what God has said will never fail fail. You can trust his word as much as you trust sitting in a chair. Amen? And it's going to hold you every time. Every time Chris sits in that chair, he sees that chair and he knows he's going to be able to rest in that chair. When God gives you a word about something in your life, that's all you need. You can rest on that word. You used to be known as but now, because God's word will never fail. Childlike faith remembers that what God says will never fail. Last two. Childlike faith says yes to the mystery of God's unexpected plans. Verse 38. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. May everything you have said about me come true. I'm the Lord's servant. Mary surrenders without question to what God wants to do. No hesitation. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything he said about me come true. You know, surrender is a normal part of childlike faith. It is a normal part of following Jesus. Saying yes to this kind of confusing mystery sometimes about where this could lead and what could this, this could mean for my family or my relationships or, or where I live or what I do, all of these different things, what my neighbors think of me, anything. Childlike faith still says yes to the mystery of God's unexpected plans. Childlike faith is used to a life of surrender. You know, surrender means we're no longer in control. You're like, thank you for that, Captain Obvious. How many of you just love not being in control? 
you're just like, this is so good. I love it. I don't know what's happening. It's so great. I'm just so thankful I can just trust God. I don't have to be in control. Love it. I know. I know you love it. No, you freak out, right? We freak out. Amen. That's right. We run from this kind of faith because it's terrifying. So much of our life is taught, don't trust anyone. If you're going to do it right, do it yourself. Right? You can't make, you can't count on anyone. And then we take all of those filters and we put them on God. And we treat him the same way we treat everyone. Any broken relationships we've had, any disappointment we've experienced, all of these filters get put on how we view God. Especially the ones from our childhood that are the strongest uh, in us emotionally and how we think about things. And, and when we are living this way, you're, you're kind of keeping God over here like this and say, okay, you want me to do that, I'll go do it. Instead of saying like Mary, I'm the Lord's servant. Yes, Lord, let's do it. This is a, a mystery, I don't understand it, but I'm going with you. I'm going with you. Do you ever notice how often uh, children can just trust their parents without a thought? I know sometimes they fight and they drag their heels and you see them in grocery stores freaking out sometimes and stuff like that. But actually, my girls love the grocery store. It's really weird. They, they love it. Um, but, you know, we, we drove to Maine for, for Thanksgiving and I just think about something as simple as driving to Maine. They have no idea where we're going. And they just let them put us, they just let us put them in the car at 3.30 in the morning, half asleep, and just drive for six hours. No questioning. Mom and dad have it. I don't know where we're going, but I'm on the journey with them. That's what saying yes to the mystery of God's unexpected plans looks like. 3.30 in the morning, God's like, hey, hey, I need to talk to you. You're going in a different direction now. Or that relationship, it's time to heal. Or that wound in your life that you've been ignoring, it's time we talked about it. Or that, that big leap of faith, that big action that you, you know that I've been pulling on your heart to do, it's time. And are you gonna say yes, not knowing where it leads? Or are you gonna run? I think it's a lot easier for children to do this because quite honestly, uh, they don't have as much to lose in some ways. They don't have as many possessions. They haven't been around as long, right? But, but us, we've, we've identified ourselves so closely with uh, our stuff and our money and our relationships and our jobs and our social calendar and, and all of these things that we, we believe makes us who we are. Not that they're not good things, but we hold them so tightly that, that often we're just so afraid we have too much to lose if we were to say yes to Jesus. And he might not even give, ask us to give up some of those things, but it's just the fear that he might. And I think what Jesus is inviting us to do is, is to learn how to practice possessing nothing, holding loosely to what we have. This is why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. They will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Poor in spirit doesn't mean you don't have a lot of stuff or you're not wealthy, but you live possessing nothing. I can have it, I cannot have it. Whatever you need me to do, Lord. Childlike faith says yes to the mystery of God's unexpected plan. Lastly, childlike faith does as the Lord commands. Look at the ending of Joseph's story here in Matthew chapter 1. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, except, no, it doesn't say that. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Look at that. Joseph hears from God. He has this dream. The angel comes to him from God. Here's what's going on. Mary's not making this up. It's really happening. And it just says he woke up and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Full stop. No in between, no pausing, no waiting, nothing. I had a, I had a professor in, in college, my, the uh, Bible school I went to, and she would always, she would always ask us when we were wrestling with, um, with really difficult like life decisions, especially towards the end when we're feeling called to different ministries and things like that, she would uh, ask us uh, things like, well, what did God say? And we go, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask him. <laughs> and she'd be like, well, you need to go ask him. Go talk to him. See, see what he wants you to do. But if, if she asked that question, what did God say? And we're like, well, he said to do A, B, and C. She would just say, well, go do it. What are, you, what are you waiting for? What are you asking me about? Go do it. Now, it sounds like she was being a little bit mean or, or dismissive or, or ruthless with us, but in reality, she was trying to teach us how to be mature followers of Jesus, how to have childlike faith. I, I've heard it said that the mark of maturity of a follower of Jesus is when the gap between your hearing and your obeying gets smaller. About that. When, when you're a follower of Jesus and you hear God say, Here's what I'm calling you to, here's what I'm inviting you into, here's how I'm challenging you. When that gap gets really small, like Joseph, and it immediately is, Okay, let's go do it, that's the mark of maturity. Childlike faith. Okay, I don't need to question you. Another uh, mentor of mine says that theology 101 is God's smart and he knows stuff we don't. And we forget that a lot of times and that gets us out of childlike faith. But the reality is childlike faith happens in your life when your gap between hearing and obeying gets smaller. There's not hearing and going, I'm gonna just pretend I didn't hear that. Because that's really big, and I don't, I don't want to. I can't tell anyone about that because then they're going to hold me accountable, and that's the worst. So I'm just going to go, and maybe I'll like kind of be on the fringes, and I'm not really going to share what's going on in my life when I'm in my life group or anything, because then they'll find out what's happening, and then I'm going to have to do it, and that would be terrible. And I'm just like saying what all of you are thinking, because I know, I know, we all do it. We all do it. Have you ever had God say something? I've had this happen multiple times in my life. Have you ever had God say something to you 
and then you just kind of either acted like he didn't say it or, or you just kind of left it there. And then the days turned into weeks, turned into months, maybe even turned into years. And you found yourself really dry. Maybe you found yourself kind of, I don't hear God's voice like I used to, or I feel a bit disconnected. Go back to what he said. A lot of times we, we try and uh, gain all of the benefits of following Jesus without any of the requirements. He said, he's talking using, Jesus said he's talking using illustrations of the, the gate with the, the sheep. He said, every sheep that's mine passes under my rod. What does that mean? There's, there's a rod that the shepherd would have and the, that rod was a rod to guide the sheep in the direction they were supposed to go. It was, it was a rod that was used to guide and to discipline the sheep because the sheep would just go like, hey, look, let's go this way. And that's like what we are, guys. We're the sheep. <laughs> we just like wander. Like, yeah, this looks good. Let's go over here. What's this? Oh, a wolf. Hi, can we be friends? It gets really crazy really fast. So this is why Jesus says, listen, you can't be part of my flock unless you pass under my rod. And, and it's not, a, everyone can choose. You don't have to go under it if you don't want to. But he's calling everyone in. And, and one of the things that this involves, the discipline of following the Lord, is that when he speaks, we listen and we obey. That's hard. We like to do what we say. But childlike faith, innocent children, they're just full of joy and wonder and they give their yes. And that's what Jesus is calling you and I into now. Childlike faith. This Christmas season is um, called the season of giving, right? A season of gifts. One of the gifts that God has given you is just a grace to follow him. Really, it's totally free. He gives you the ability to follow him through the power of his spirit. He, he makes it really simple. I'm gonna guide you. You stay close to me and I'll lead you along the way. I'm gonna put some great people in your life to help you hear my voice so you go the right way. And then when I call you to do things, just do it. Kind of simple, yet terrifying at the same time. But this season of gifts, he, he's, he's given us all the time, but I really think he's, he's highlighting this, this Christmas season, that, that there is a gift of childlike faith that he wants to give to you. Did you know that? He's got a, just, just wants to give you this gift of just very easily following him that there would just be a, a grace available to you to just follow him. That can be really hard for us, though. Our uh, adult minds go like, what's the catch? What's the catch? I love uh, what Madeline LaIngle said. She wrote a, a Wrinkle in Time, another book she wrote. She said, I don't know if you can read that, but she, she said, we're suspicious of grace. She said, we are afraid of the lavishness of the gift. How could God want to give us really that much? What's the catch? 
we get cynical and skeptical and suspicious. And we often reject the gift of childlike faith because of our own suspicions and fear and past hurts. And we put that all on God and say, well, you're probably no better than any of the others. But friends, he's really, really, really good to you. He is good to us. And you can trust that he is a very good father, that he is a good shepherd, that he wants to guide you to green pastures and still waters, just like the psalmist says. There will always be enough. He's always with you. You can trust him, just like children trust their parents. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.